Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table. Uh, As I say every episode, we are closing in on episode number 500. Uh, We're just about a month or so away from getting up to that level, and it has been a great ride. I have had the opportunity to interview entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, business leaders, comedians, actors. Uh, Today, we are going to go international and talk to an international film creator, producer, writer, uh, also an actor, someone who's been both on the behind the camera and in front of the camera in the movie industry and TV. And uh, I think we're going to have a great conversation. And she is coming to us from Paris, France right now, although she spends a lot of her time between Paris, London, and Los Angeles. So cool things entrepreneurs do is going very international today. But before I introduce you to our guest, I have to talk about one of our sponsors. So folks, we all know that human behavior, it is a complicated thing, especially when it comes to working and living together. And understanding why and how people behave in certain ways while in groups, that is what my friends, Dr. Josh Packard and Megan Bissell, it's what they do for a living. Their podcast, The Bias Disruptions, answers questions like, What is the ideal team size? How do companies' culture change? And where does innovation even come from? So I'm going to tell you, if you're a podcast listener, and I know you are because right now you are listening to a podcast, you have to go and check out their podcast, The Bias Disruption, because it's going to help you know all kinds of things about working with teams. Megan and Josh, they use social science and real-world experience and humor to share useful insights. Plus, they like to play really nerdy games. You're going to love the bias disruption. Now, before you go and check out that podcast, you've got to listen to this one. Today, I have Jenna Sheru, and she is the owner of Bella Puck, which is a film company. She does filmmaking. She also does cast uh, casting. Dir- she's a casting director. She does location scouting. Uh, she gets involved with film festivals on both the TV and the film side. And she has had this in her blood since she was a kid. She started acting when she was eight years old. And she has studied acting, directing, producing. But she's also a graduate from one of the top business schools in Europe where she actually studied the films, the business side of the film industry. So she knows about film and she in her own right is an entrepreneur who's doing cool things. So Jenna, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Hello, Tom. Thank (laughs) you so much for having me. It was such a brilliant intro. Thank you. I feel very special. (laughs) Everybody always says they like my introductions, but uh, I think think it's it's just kind of fun to talk about the, the great side of people. So Tell us a little bit more about your company. Tell us about what uh, Belle Epoque is. So Belle Epoque Film is the official French feature film company. I founded about four years and a half ago. I actually founded it in January 2015. At the time, I was living in London. I've been living in London for two years, and it was a huge inspiration in terms of learning, not only about the business side of producing, but also the more artistic side 
of filmmaking process. Um, so I opened the company on the, by, on the back of quite a few experiences. Uh, I was very lucky that I managed to train and work at the two top distributors in France. The first one is Gaumont. It's actually the oldest film company in the world and it's a French company. It's number one in France. I was very lucky that over there I could work on distributing their new releases to festivals around the world. And I also worked at SND, which is um, the film part of the MCS group. And over there, I was working with their digital team, with their digital sales team. And it was quite uh, a cool and exciting challenge, especially because at the time, VOD was skyrocketing. So I was part of launching with them very big platforms like the Carrefour one, uh, Wacky TV. So that was a very exciting time. Um, also, I learned in Los Angeles and at the time I also worked and started as a PA in TV on Alimi Ballard's TV show. It was called The Experiment with Dan and Ali. And Alimi is famous in particular for his roles in CSI, Castle, all of that. So on the back of uh, those experiences, I had a few opportunities and decided to launch my company, Belly Park Film. That's nice. So did you always have sort of an entrepreneurial background when you were a kid? Were you one of these kids who wanted to just do things your own way? I think in a way, yes. I've always been quite creative and I've always loved to create projects, uh, manage projects. Obviously, when you're extremely young, it's hard to have a very precise idea of how it's going to uh, become, what's going to become like when you're a grown-up, right? Mm -hmm. um, I started acting when I was eight, so it was my very first contact with the filmmaking world. Um, later, I really, when I, especially, I would say it's especially when I was in Los Angeles, there and pursued some filmmaking classes over there. I was so inspired by the various talents I've met and teachers I've learned from. And not only did I learn about acting, but also producing, directing, even makeup, like seriously everything. And I really committed to become a filmmaker. And I knew that to become a talented filmmaker um, and an entrepreneur in the film industry, you really must learn a lot, not only about the creative side of things, but also the business side. So this is why I've worked very hard to enter a business school. And the top business school in Europe, it's called ESCP Europe. Uh, so definitely this, all of this, knowing about the business side really helped me to become an entrepreneur and launch a company. So I find it interesting because when I meet artists and actors and comedians and, and everybody sort of in the creative fields, there's really a lot of similarities between being a creative and being an entrepreneur because at the end of the day, it all sort of rests on your own shoulders, right? I mean, when you left working for these larger companies, all of a sudden the 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 money the money is up to you. You've got to make it happen. And same thing is true if you're a comedian or you're an actor or you're a musician. You know, at the end of the day, you have to go out and, and make things happen. You have to produce good work and do the business of it. So I, th I think you're really, you were really smart that to do that. That is so true. I so agree. I think I'm, I totally agree with you. I think that actually any artist is an entrepreneur in a way. So what do you love now that you have your own business and you've taken this, this creativity, you know, path of, of doing the creative projects, but also the business side, what do you love about entrepreneurship? 
What I love is that um, there are many things I love. The first thing is that when you're an entrepreneur, as you say, you have to be creative. And there is so much you can do. You have so much freedom in what you can do. Uh, but at the same time, you have so, so many responsibilities. Uh, what I really love as an entrepreneur is that I feel that... Um, more as an entrepreneur than a usual employee, you really have this opportunity to build a strategy and also make changes, bring change happen in the world. Because um, obviously, if you're an employee, you have so many tasks to do uh, in your own company. It's hard to think about uh, the whole strategy and you're usually so overwhelmed with all you have to do it's harder to really understand uh, what the strategy is like what the market is like whereas you're an entrepreneur you have no choices but to think about all the dimensions for instance my debut feature film is called L'Age d'Or The Golden Age is in English and I was very lucky because for instance this film in France is a film that so far there's a million reasons why it shouldn't have happened <laughs> because it's a movie that was backed only by private investors. Whereas in France, movies are usually backed by public finance finances, by public investments. And so this is why I was um, interviewed by Ecran Total, which is the French equivalent of the Hollywood Reporter. It, it's because, because of all the new content that is needed now. They know that in France, there will be more movies like this one needed in the future. So that's interesting that in France, the movies all have public money behind them, where, of course, you know, Hollywood has sort of forever been been sort of privately funded type thing. Do you think that you're going to be sort of a, a trailblazer? Are you going to see more and more uh, people following your footsteps and, and going out on their own in France and doing it that way? I strongly believe so. Um, this is, I think, a tendency, but this is also what Ecran Total confirmed is that the thing is now with all the big platforms like Netflix or Amazon, the audience are really longing for a lot of more content. And the truth is, in France, if we want to be very competitive on the market, we can't we can't back all these movies, all this new content only by public money. I've I've read a lot of um, articles published by the best of um, newspapers lately in France, like Le Monde, saying the the public state just uh, won't have enough money to back all those. And I think it's it's obviously it's it can be very scary because it means there's a huge challenge. But I just think it's an amazing opportunity to be part of this change and just bring a new voice. And it's also an opportunity for new filmmakers, not only in France but more really in Europe also. Well, but that's what entrepreneurship is about, right? It's 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 going out and yes. doing doing new things and creating markets where markets didn't exist before and finding new ways to be able to produce these products. So, I I'm surprised that this hasn't happened long ago where you are. Yeah. You're right. You're right. I think it's been it it could have happened before, it could have happened later, but now definitely looks like it, it cannot stay longer like that just because of all those major platforms that are capturing the audience hearts. So what, what advice do you have for people who want to go out and do their, do their own thing, whether it's in, 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 you know, making movies or whether it's starting a technology company or, you know, creating anything? What advice do you have for people who want to go do their own thing? There are many advice you, you can give them. I think the first point is to be really surrounded with the very best of people. Those markets, any market really, are so competitive. Uh, you really uh, need all the experience in the world you can have. And I feel like the best way to do that, the best way 
I did that is to really learn from experts in your field. For instance, I feel so lucky I've learned from the very best of experts, like at Gaumont. They're number one in France, and then in the world, they, they, they've launched movies like The Untouchables. I also worked for um, in terms of distribution for festivals, which is just absolutely incredible. And when you, you learn from those experts and the very best of people, you, you obviously get to know very precious experience that is very needed because those markets are so hard. So I would say my number one advice is to be always ready to learn a lot from them and be surrounded with the very best of people. Um, I would also recommend to always come in very prepared um, in the in the film world, but also in entrepreneurship. It's, I feel sometimes I have this feeling that it's a lot about, okay, just do it, you know, go for it. It's, and, and it's true. It's true. When you're an entrepreneur, you can't wait too long. The market changes. If you want to go for it, sure, you should go for it. But I will also, also say, make sure to come in very prepared. Obviously, as an entrepreneur, you will probably fail. You'll make mistakes, but it will be so much less painful if you just come in prepared. And it's worth the time and the effort you'll put into it because if you come in prepared on the market, well, at least uh, you can you can better react when those those things will happen and make less mistakes. It will be less painful. <laughs> and I think um, entrepreneurship is a lot about that. It's a lot about enthusiasm because you need that passion. You need that enthusiasm, and it's so exciting to be uh, an entrepreneur. Like it's the most exciting thing I've been doing in my life. It's been more than four years and a half now. But also. In, in order to succeed, you need to be ready to work a lot, a lot more than if you were just an employee and you must be ready to learn a lot from people, a lot from your mistakes and really from the market itself. So you, you gave us a lot right there. I want to kind of repack a couple of things. And that is, you know, you, there were there were sort of one, two, three, four major pieces of advice that you shared. And one was be prepared. And I, I just want to recap that for a second, because there are so many people who think they can go out and wing it because they've had success in some other area. I see it a lot in my business. I, I make my living as a professional speaker. I go to corporate events and large association conferences, and I am the opening keynote speaker, or I'm the master of ceremonies, sort of the host of the whole multi-day event. And so many people who speak think that, well, I'm a good speaker. I can just wing it. And the worst thing in the world is to wing it. You can't succeed in my business if you just get up there and try to, 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 to do it based on skill. Uh, it's kind of like actors. You know, actors, the best actors don't get up and just glance at the script and go out there and improv. The best actors prepare and they rehearse and they memorize. And, you know, when I talk to people who are in that profession, you know, they spend countless hours. Same thing is true with stand-up comedians. I've been, I've been dabbling a little bit in their world. I've been doing stand-up comedy for about a year. And the really great comics, the great ones, they'll do a hundred open mic nights working on a single joke before they actually take it onto their main stage, you know, and work. And so it's, it's amazing how much preparation really matters. So do you have anything else you want to say about being prepared? Absolutely. Uh, also as an artist, I so agree with that. I so agree with that. And I think you're very right also to mention that about artists because um, for like for a magician or an actor, because obviously in the artistic world, even more than in any other types of industry, maybe you need a lot of gut feeling. And it's a lot about, you know, obviously your feelings and also how you feel. And so it may convey the impression that because of that, you don't need to come in as prepared. I think the only way to be really sincere, whether it's as an actor or really look magical when it's about being a magician, 
the only way you can do that is that if you come in very prepared. If you just come in and feel you're going to improvise, you're not going to be able to be creative because you're going to be so overwhelmed with all those things that, are, that you feel will be like constraints for you. Uh, whereas it's just a way to make you look good and make it work. And so I, I so agree with what you've just said. It's it's a lot about being creative and the gut feeling, the improvisation can be extremely important. But there is, to me, there is really no uh, alternative to being very prepared. And, you know, this is what, what I've heard quite a bit. I really like this phrase is that you should always have a plan and never follow it. You know, is <laughs> <laughs> something that is um, that you draw uh, at a certain time. And the market changes. So you must adapt. As an entrepreneur, if you don't adapt, you fail. Uh, but you should still have a plan, even if it's not about following it. You know what I mean? I, I always love this phrase, and I think it's very true. Well, I always say that you need, you need to prepare, and you need to learn the basics. Like for people who want to become professional speakers, I say go to Toastmasters and learn all of the rules of being a public speaker and then throw the rules out and let your personality take over. So I think that's sort of similar to what, you, to what you're saying. You had three, exactly. <laughs> you, you had three other things. I'm going to skim past two and go back to one. The Absolutely. other, the other three pieces of advice. You said surround yourself with the best people. I've I've spoken for years about the fact that all opportunities in life come from people, and, and we've talked about that a lot on the show. Uh, the other one that comes up a lot was that you're going to work long hours. If you're going to be an entrepreneur or you're going to be an artist and you're going to go create your own path, it is long hours. But the other one you touched on that I can just hear it in your voice. It's real. It's who you are is you talked about enthusiasm and you talked about that you have to love what you do. And in, in part of what I do when I teach at companies is I talk about if you're not passionate, just a little bit even, about your job, go get another job because life is too short to work in a job or in a career that you don't have some enthusiasm or passion for, correct? I think it's very important because the market is so competitive. It's a lot about how efficient you are and how competitive you are on the market. Uh, but it's not uh, your your customers or your prospects are not just interested. Obviously, they're very interested in your pricing, in your quality, the quality of your work. But they'll also be interested in your values and in your enthusiasm. And really, I think sometimes maybe some entrepreneurs forget that customers, they want to work with the people who are the best at what they do, but also who are the most enthusiastic at what they do. Like, who are you going to work with if you if you need someone, if you're a client, you're going to work with someone who loves working for you, someone who's just going to put all his heart into it, not someone who's just going to be like, oh, okay, it's another job. <laughs> and so it's so important uh, because I I this is why it inspires people. Like, everyone wants to work with people who loves what they do in the end. And so it's extremely important. And it's also why I think you show the love for what you do, not only in your how you talk, but also in how much how much passion and work you put on it. And if you love what you do, you'll put more heart, more more work into it, more time, more efforts, and it means the world. Absolutely. So, so Jenna, I have a few more questions for you. But first, I have to thank the other sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right training, equipment, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Jenna Sheru. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things 
and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Jenna, I call this show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And I always like to talk about the coolest project people are working on. And I don't even have to ask. I know this is your film. Could you tell us about your film and, <laughs> and, and why it is so cool? For so many reasons. Um, I think one of the coolest thing about it is that first, it's set in South of France. So how cooler can that be? Um, and also, it's all set in the 60s. <laughs> well, I mean, the, you, you can't do better than, than the 60s were the coolest time. And, uh, I, have, <laughs> and I have been to France uh, a couple of times and uh, stayed in the South of France. And I got to tell you, one of the most beautiful places in the world is, is where you call home. France is amazing. So tell us about the movie. Thank you so much. Um, so Lash Door, the Golden Age in, is in, in English. It's called like that in English. Is my period feature film, my debut, my debut as a director. So I directed, I only produced, I also wrote and lead acted in it. And it's a tribute to artists, especially from the 60s, who changed the world. Because now we know how much of a transition time the 60s were after the two world wars. And it tells the story of a Franco-American producer who meets a French theater actress in Paris who acts in front of empty seats. And they actually both realize they don't quite fit in in this world. It's after the two world wars. He doesn't fit in because he fled the Vietnam, the Vietnam War, actually. And she doesn't fit in because as an actress, she doesn't feel, and as a woman, she doesn't really feel like her ambition quite fits and that uh, it's what people want her to do. Uh, so they decide to embark on an artistic project together to change the world. And they end up in a village. But this village is Saint-Tropez. And it's a story that's never been told on the screen before. Because there are so many artists at the time who found inspiration in Saint-Tropez and really bring change. So I wanted to pay tribute to the village and to those artists. Wow, that, that is exciting. So so is this going to be a movie that uh, in America people will be able to watch? Is it going to be subtitled or, or, or dubbed so that we can watch it if we don't speak French? Absolutely. Actually, the movie um, has already been subtitled. Uh, the world premiere will happen soon. So we'll soon share the news about that. So you'll be able to watch it. And yeah, at some point, of course, it, it will be dubbed. It's definitely, I, I wrote and directed this movie to appeal to an international audience because really artists who changed the world and artists who, who went to Saint-Tropez in the 60s were coming from all over the world, uh, from either literature, film, music background. And you can think of Brigitte Bardot and all the beautiful movies that were shot at the time, like God Created Women. But a lot were also coming from America and from the UK, for instance. Uh, this is why I also feel very blessed that we have an amazing soundtrack with covers from the 60s from the best of American artists like Barry or Jimmy Reed. So definitely very exciting soundtrack that really suits the film. So I would imagine that shooting the film was fun because you had uh, all the fashion of the 60s and all of the, the cars and all of the, the things you had to do. But it also must have been fun because I think you shot it in 35 different locations around France. Exactly, around France in the US. I'm so thankful for that because obviously I had only my number one choices locations. We shot on the harbor in Saint-Tropez. We shot near the Eiffel Tower. We shot in, in a period train and station. Uh, we rebuilt a Hollywood studio. Really, it, it was the most exciting experience as a director to be able to 
to scout those locations with um, my production coordinator, who's called Patty, who's amazing. And we really worked a lot on all those, uh, not only obviously on locations, but also we had to dress the set each day. Um, so there was a lot of work done on production design, even the makeup, the hair, every detail was really important. And I feel blessed because really it was very important to me that people who lived this amazing period, this amazing era, when they watch the film, they can feel uh, that it's exactly as, they, as it was for <laughs> sure. So it was a lot of research for me also as a writer. Um, and also that people like me who didn't live this time because they're too young, uh, just like me, uh, can actually feel and live this experience because it was such a wonderful area for so many reasons. Well, Jenna, so this must be exciting to have worked so hard on a project like this and now have it be done. It's like it's like your baby. Are you ready to release it to the world? Are you excited? I'm so ready for it. I'm so excited. L let me tell you something. Like One of the main reasons that also encouraged me and was a strong is that I was reading the news every day. And when I was reading the news, I thought, geez, what a crazy world we live in. I think this is how many people felt, feel, actually realize I was far from the only one to feel like that. And at the time, very... There were many things that were different in the 60s, but I think there is something we share with people who lived during that time, is that people were so tired of war. People were so tired. They really were longing for change. There was this feeling that there were so many great inventions that happened uh, around the 50s, uh, but this time, especially the youth thought, okay, now we're just going to do something. We're not going to do war again. We're going to bring change. And this is what happened. There are so many... So many big events that happen. We can think of May 68, uh, May 68, Paris, but also the Isle of Wight in the UK, Woodstock in the US. It was very common to those three countries and the world. And what I think is very exciting is that it's something we really share with them. So I'm so excited to share it with the audience so they can live the 60s, hopefully relate to the characters and also find the hope and the courage with solidarity and through the story of the golden age to feel, okay, I can bring change. Even if I'm not a politician, I'm not rich. I'm very tiny, but I can make a difference. And the, re the film really opens and expands on that. Well, and I think you're right. I think there are similarities with what's going on in the world now. And I think that people are hungry for maybe another uh, another uh, cultural revolution along the lines of art that we saw in that time. So, well, Jenna, thank you so much for coming on to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do and, and sharing your story. If somebody wants to be able to track the film so they can find out where they can watch it, when they can download it, uh, is there a website or somewhere? Do you have a mailing list? How do people find you? Thank you so much, Tom. It's a great pleasure discussing with you. Uh, indeed, if you want to follow the news of the film, there will be very exciting news released very soon. So on Instagram, it's arrobas film or arrobas real. And there is also um, social media. There are also on Twitter and Facebook. And the company website is www.bellyparkfilm.com. And I will put that in the uh, main page on TomSinger.com uh, so that people can find the links if they uh, don't speak French and don't know how to spell that. So we'll put, we'll put links on the page so that people can find that. Well, Jenna, again, thank you so much for being a guest here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs <laughs> Do. And thank you to everybody who listened. I think this was a great episode. It's got me all excited. I can't wait to watch the film. Uh, and uh, I wish I could go to Saint-Tropez in 1969 because that would have been awesome. 
for all of you who listen, I say it every show, if it wasn't for the audience, why would we do this podcast? The show's about you guys. So if you like it, tell a friend, make sure that you let your friends know that this podcast exists. There are something like 700,000 or more podcasts out there. I appreciate all of you who tune in and listen to this one uh, every Tuesday and every Thursday. We're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Jenna. I know you're thinking, how is that possible? But it's true. We will. Uh, But in the meantime, I'm going to challenge you. (laughs) I'm going to challenge you to go out there, do something artistic, do something new, try new things. And while you're at it, have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.